Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri, The Family Affair Murders, Eoff, 1862. Henry Bates, proprietor of the General Store in Morse Mill, Missouri, could hear the angry shouts of the mob from inside his building. Outside, the shuffle of heavy boots on the gravel and the roar of the neighborhood crowd grew louder as the mob passed the front of the store. The door burst open and a young boy, about 13, rushed in the door. It was one of the Yolf boys, the youngest one named Lewis. I need a rope, he declared. Mr. Bates was mortified. Son, don't be part of this, he begged. You should try to calm this situation. That's your pa, after all. Let the law sort this out. Lewis's eyes narrowed and his face grew dark. He deserves hanging, he said through clenched teeth, and I'm going to help do it. Welcome to another edition of Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri. I am your host, Mindy Hudson, genealogist at the Jefferson County Library. Each week we bring you stories of murders and scandals which have occurred in the county's 200-year history. Jefferson County, Missouri lies about 25 miles south of St. Louis. Bordered on the east by the mighty Mississippi River, its rolling hills and rocky cliffs form the foothills of the Ozark Mountain Range. The Merrimack and Big Rivers flow through the land, drawing pioneer immigrants from Europe and colonial settlers from the eastern seaboard. In the early 1800s, small communities sprang up along the rivers as grist mills were erected to grind the corn and wheat grown by the local farmers, bringing blacksmith shops, general stores, small hotels, schools, and churches to serve the families who settled there. Morse Mill, Missouri was founded in about 1847 by John H. Morse, whose own story is quite interesting and will be covered in a later broadcast. He erected a grist mill on the banks of the Big River about seven miles southwest of the county seat of Hillsboro. Residents who settled along the banks of the river included early colonial adventurers who had come west of the Mississippi when the land was still under Spanish rule, veterans of the American Revolution who had received bounty land grants, and small-time farmers and craftsmen who longed to eke out a living far from the bustle of city life. Neighbors tended to be close-knit, and friendships Gatherings and daily business dealings often led to marriages among the children of the local families, forming a tight bond within the community. But in the beginning of the 1860s, rumblings about states' rights and the abolition of slavery began to pick at the fabric of the nation. Missouri had joined the Union as a compromise state, allowing the owning of slaves— 
Although the slave-owning population in Jefferson County was relatively small, the question of loyalty to the Union or secession became especially precarious in this state. Nowhere was there a more volatile mix of emotion than in this Midwestern region. Neighbor became suspicious of neighbor, brother was pitted against brother, and even father against son. Such was the case in the small river community of Morse Mill. The story of the Yoff tragedy has been pieced together using historic newspaper accounts and genealogy records, including marriage, censuses, land, military, and more. It speaks of a time when hot tempers and mob justice prevailed. There are very few solid facts about the case. In fact, portions of the events that occurred have been put together by process of elimination. It is known that Samuel Yoff was one of the victims. However, the identity of the other victim is not known for certain, but can be assumed due to other members of the family who are accounted for in later records. Given the known circumstantial evidence, the story which follows may be told. Samuel Parker Yoff was born about 1811 in Missouri to George Yoff and his second wife, Nancy Cole. He married Jemima Jones Graham in Jefferson County in 1831 and began farming and raising a family. In 1857, Sam bought a little over 200 acres in Township 41 North, Range 3 East, Section 25, near John Morse's Mill. Nearby neighbors included Mr. Morse, the Harringtons, the Grahams, the Wileys, the Bates, the Williams, and many others. Between 1837 to 1853, the Eoff marriage produced at least eight children, William, Thomas, Mary, Frank, twins, Jasper and Newton, Lewis, and Catherine. The family attended Bethlehem Baptist Church, located in Grubville, Missouri. Sam was known to have a nasty temper and an iron hand in raising his children. Those who knew him well tended to steer clear of him when he was in his moods. By the time of the 1860 U.S. Census, the first three of the Elf children were out of the house. William married Missouri Hamilton. Thomas married Clarissa Davis. And Mary became the wife of DeLafayette Husky, known as Dilly. The year 1861 brought the slow, boiling emotions of the Great Divide among the country into full flame. Realizing the sharp ideological divisions within the state, Missouri hoped to remain neutral when war was declared. The Missouri State Guard was organized, led by Captain Nathaniel Lyons, in hopes of enforcing the neutrality policy. However, over 80% of those recruited in the Guard were the foreign-born Hessians who were vehemently anti-slavery. 
Citizens who had migrated to Missouri from southern states naturally clung to their own heritage, and thus the stage was set for a powder keg of conflict. In May 1861, a plan was hatched by the rebels to seize St. Louis as a base for the Confederacy. In doing so, it would open a supply route by water and rail right in the heart of the country. The major roadblock was the arsenal located on the bluffs overlooking the Mississippi River. President Jefferson Davis sent a supply of ammunition to Camp Jackson, located on the modern-day campus of St. Louis University, where Southern sympathizers were conducting a mock drill in anticipation of the arrival of arms. However, federal officers discovered the plan and gathered 3,000 soldiers to march to the camp where they arrested more than 700 troops. Those who did not immediately swear an oath of loyalty were then paraded through the streets of St. Louis to the arsenal where they were to be charged with treason. In the meantime, a large crowd had gathered in outrage that American-born citizens were being herded in a shameful display by what they considered foreigners who had no business interfering with American politics. Shouting insults, the belligerent crowd was soon hurling rocks and other debris at the guards. At some point, a shot was fired and chaos ensued. The guards opened fire into the crowd, killing 28, including women and children, and injuring dozens. The Camp Jackson Massacre polarized the citizens into action, and those who had previously determined to stay out of the conflict suddenly found themselves thrown headfirst into the fray. According to Goodspeed's History of Jefferson County, originally published in 1888, mass meetings were called at Hillsborough and DeSoto, where secessionist flags were raised. Union troops, having heard rumors of the meetings, arrived in DeSoto on May 16, 1861, to quash any pro-Southern speeches. The rebel flag had not yet been raised, and there was a diligent search to locate it, which took the better part of the day. It was finally discovered that a local woman had seated herself upon it and covered it with her voluminous skirt. In Hillsborough, citizens managed to convince the authorities that the flag raised was not a secessionist flag, and it was allowed to fly. Local historian Della Lang wrote, quote, Eventually, pieces of the battered flag were dispersed among local women who sewed them into their quilts. End quote. It became clear to the federal authorities that there was a hotbed of resistance in Jefferson County. As a result, the courthouse was seized and used as a headquarters for Union troops commanded by Captain Oscar Dover, Captain W.H. Washburn, and Lieutenant H.T. Dugan, and no circuit court was held from November 1860 through January 1863. 
By August 1861, young men of Morse Mill had chosen whether they would volunteer for the Union troops or leave Missouri to sign up as Confederate rebels in surrounding states of Arkansas, Kentucky, or Tennessee. William, Francis M., Jasper, and Newton, sons of Sam Eoff, chose to remain in the Union. 24-year-old William registered with Company K, 31st Missouri Infantry, as a wagoner whose responsibilities included transporting military supplies. His service record described him as 5 foot 10 inches tall, black hair and eyes, with a dark complexion. He signed up for a three-year term of service. Francis Marion Yoff joined Company I, 13 Missouri Infantry. The regiment was involved in the capture of Fort Donaldson, Tennessee, the Battle of Shiloh, and the Siege of Corinth, Mississippi. In May 1862, they were transferred to the 22nd Ohio Volunteer Infantry. Some sources claim he died August 27, 1862, but the circumstances of his death are unknown. He left a wife, Nancy Husky Yoff, and an unborn son, James. The twins, only about 16 years old, served together in Company B, 47th Missouri Volunteers. Jasper's record described him as 5 foot 7 inches tall with blue eyes, brown hair, and a dark complexion. Newton was described as 5 foot 4 inches tall, having blue eyes and dark hair. His complexion was fair. According to a timeline of Company K, 31st Missouri Infantry, which was found on Wikipedia, William Elf's company marched to Patterson, Missouri, October 21, 1862, and remained there until November 24. They began a march to St. Genevieve, Missouri, bound for Helena, Arkansas, by December 1st, to meet General Sherman's Yazoo, Mississippi expedition, December 2, 1862. When the troops reached Pilot Knob, Missouri, William slipped away from the company and headed north toward home. He was reported to have deserted on December 1, 1862. Perhaps he was homesick, possibly missing his wife, and he may have intended to return to his troops, but his intentions will never be known. When he reached Morse Mill, he made the mistake of stopping at the home of his parents, when Sam Eoff learned that his son had left the service without leave, he was furious. His own grandfather, Peter Eoff, had been a Revolutionary War soldier. Father and son began a heated fight that continued to grow more violent as the moments passed. Sam declared no son of his would behave in such a cowardly way. William insisted he was no coward. But the yelling and shoving got louder and stronger. Sam warned William if he didn't turn back that moment, he had put him in the ground. The commotion brought the women and children running to separate the two men. As his fury reached fever pitch, Sam did eventually what he had threatened 
and shot and killed his eldest son. His wife, Jemima, and younger children were beyond horrified. The screams of the women and shouting of the men brought the matter to the attention of the surrounding neighbors. Jemima, the mother of William, and Missouri, his wife, were no doubt wailing with grief. Yet Sam was unmoved. Word spread quickly throughout the community, and a crowd of over a hundred soon gathered. Several of the men seized Mr. Yoff and brought him into Hillsborough to be arrested. However, law enforcement in the county was all but suspended, and no one wanted to deal with the issue. They refused to get involved. Now the crowd was whipped into a fury. They held their own, quote, court, unquote, and then asked, Sam admitted stubbornly and without remorse that he had killed his son. The mob sentenced him to death by hanging. Pushing and shoving the old man down the road, they intended to take him back to Morse Mill to carry out the sentence. Sam's youngest son, Lewis, ran ahead of the crowd and made his way into Henry Bates' store, which was in the Morse Mill. Henry Bates asked the boy what the commotion was outside. Lewis declared, We need a rope. We're going to hang Pa. Mr. Bates couldn't believe his ears. Son, don't be a part of this. You can't do this. Calm these folks down. Please ask them to spare your Pa, he begged. But the boy would not be moved. He's a wicked man, and he deserves to die, he said ominously. He killed William. He's been tried and sentenced, and I'm going to help him do it. Mr. Bates watched in horror as the boy grabbed a thick rope and ran out the door toward the advancing crowd. There in their midst was old man Yoff, defiant as ever. He was pushed and shoved down the road until they reached his own property. There by the house was a large walnut tree. The rope was thrown over the thickest limb and a noose was fashioned. With family and neighbors looking on, the rope was fixed about his neck and tightened, and the offending man raised, kicking and struggling, until dead. There is no record of the burial place for either Sam or his son William. Many of the other family members were later buried in the Bethlehem Church Cemetery. What is known is that Sam's widow, Jemima, lived with her son, Newton, until her death sometime between 1870 and 1880. Newton married twice and had several children. Jasper returned from the war, exhibiting the same kind of mean streak his father had. He was married multiple times and had children from at least two of the marriages. Jasper Yoff had a reputation for troublemaking after the war. There was a notice in the local newspaper in 1870 in which the deputy sheriff summoned a posse to catch De Jasper for disturbing a religious congregation. He was able to elude capture, however. Then, in 1872, 
Brother S.B. Wilson called out Jasper and Mary Eoff before the church for dancing, a charge which his brother Thomas Eoff confirmed. The church voted to confront Jasper and Mary and return with their response to the charge. Louis Eoff married Sarah Weidman and had two daughters. He worked as a carpenter for the railroad in DeSoto, Missouri. The youngest daughter, Catherine, married James Thompson and had two sons prior to his death in 1890. In 1891, she married Ferdinand Gashi, who was the son of Henry Gashi and Caroline McFry Gashi, subjects of our first Murder and Mayhem episode. We hope you have enjoyed the edition of Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri, brought to you by the Jefferson County Library Genealogy Department, located at the Northwest Branch, 5680 State Road, PP, High Ridge, Missouri. For more information, please call 636-677-8186 or email mhudson at jeffcolive.org. Join us next Tuesday at 5 p.m. as we explore another series about mob justice in The Vigilante Murders of 1868. And if you enjoy these programs, please share them with your friends and family who may be interested in historical accounts of true crime.